to. We'll pick it back up next Sunday. But Titus chapter 2 today, verse number 11. And this is what the Lord told me to give you as I was in my time of prayer. Titus chapter 2, verse number 11 says it this way in the King James Version. It says, and we're recording, that the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. Everybody shout, the grace of God. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Before we keep reading verse 13, because I won't have time to deal with all of this today, but did you know that every believer ought to appreciate building homes, appreciate getting married if you're single, appreciate having kids, getting new jobs, but for us, the thing we ought to look most forward to is hidden in verse number three. It says, looking forward to that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we as Christians, fundamentally speaking, what we look forward to most is seeing Jesus face to face. Amen. Amen? So he says we're looking forward to that. Why? Because he gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. Somebody shout, we don't fit. fit. Zealous of good works, these things speak and exhort, and he also tells us, rebuke with all authority and don't let any man despise you. Don't fit in. Don't let any man think that you're nothing. You're small for believing in the God of the Bible. Amen. I want to preach, teach this morning, however God wants it to come out, from verse number 11, which says, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. I want to talk this morning from that thought, the grace of God. The grace of God. The grace of God, as the Amplified Bible lays it out, and many of you have heard this down through the years, the grace of God is God's unmerited favor and blessing. The grace of God is God's ability on our ability. Watch this, not trying to be deep, that transcends our strength and gives us the ability to do things that we would not have the strength to do had it not been for his grace. Contrary to popular belief, the grace of God is not uh, there just to give you a span or a window to come out of sin. People have mistaught grace. They mix grace up with mercy. His mercy endured forever. His mercy is there. Mercy is when a sinner wakes up tomorrow. That's mercy. Because truth be told, if they died today, they'd be going to hell. So mercy is when you wake up tomorrow. But grace is not just about waking up tomorrow. Grace interchangeably is the favor of God. 
And I really want you to hear me today because God showed me in my prayer and in my time of studying even this past week that he's releasing grace. He's releasing favor on his people and you can't miss it. You've got to be in that window where God releases his grace. So grace is God's unmerited favor. But then as I continue to study, I realize that grace has two primary definitions that apply specifically to the believer. The first definition, if you're a point taker, number one, grace is a span of time by which to get something done. That's what grace is. When they give you grace on your electric bill, what have they done? Expanded the time. <laughs> Anybody know anything about that? I'll raise my hand. I thank God. I remember those days. Can I pay it Tuesday? No, we got to get at least a portion on Monday, right? But they give you an expanded time. Amen. That's grace. All right? And expanded time to get something done. And the text this morning says, the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. So what is God saying? He has given all of us a window of time to get it done. He's given all of us an opportunity to get it right. No one will miss God without first having the opportunity to see God. There's a grace. Let me see if I can teach this to you metaphorically. In the four years, we're getting ready to celebrate the anniversary of this church, Dave. And in the four years of our existence, I have seen people in that window of grace that God had them in, where he gave them the opportunity to transform and change their mind. You know, Romans 12 and 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. We're in a series now. Get the tape by the renewing of your mind. God put them in a spiritual window by bringing them, watch this, to this church where they were exposed to right teaching or to upper room where they're exposed to right teaching and they have that grace and window to get it right. But I have seen people turn their back on that window. And you have got to be careful because you cannot watch this, accept Christ, accept God's way when you get ready. That's why the Bible says the day capsule of time the day, 24-hour period, the day capsule of time that you hear my voice, harden not your heart. Don't stuff up your ears and walk away because watch this, tomorrow you might not hear my voice. Esau sought for a place of repentance with tears but could not find it. God was not speaking. So you can't move when you get ready. i give you a classic example. Israel, God told them, go up and possess the land. He said, now is the time, now is the season, you're going into the promised land. They were not ready because of fear and doubt and backbiting and all other kinds of wrath and wickedness. But then in their own hearts and minds, stay with me now, span of time, they got ready and they said, we will go up at once. They tried to go up and the enemy beat the pants off of them. Read your Bible. Because they went outside of, stay with me, the window that God had implemented. Come with me to Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10 through 11. How many of you know that you're in a grace right now? And I was telling you the story about some folks who, who have come. I've seen them come. I've seen them go. I've seen more come than go. I thank God for that. But I've seen them come and go. And, and I've noticed and I've watched how an individual progressively hardened their heart against the voice of God. 
You know, Stephanie and I, Melvin and I, others of us, we've had sidebar conversations. I can tell so-and-so they're, cha- they're changing. The enemy's getting a foothold. Listen to your preacher this morning. The enemy has their ear. They're, cha- they're, they're not getting it. They're missing it. They still don't quite have it, right? And then all of a sudden, bam, the door shuts. And see, when that door shuts, you might not be able to open it back up again. He'll close doors, the Bible says, stay with me now, that no man can open. Everybody say, get in the span of time. Look at Ecclesiastes 9, and it's not just about what church you go to, but it's about staying with God, not leaving him. But look at this this thing called opportunity. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10 through 11. This is going to bless you real good. I preached a message uh, on this uh, some time ago. And I think uh, that it will bless you if you want it. It's called time and chance happening to them all. But look at this, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 9, verse number 10. It says, whosoever, whatsoever, excuse me, you find it to do, do it with all thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither you're going. Stop right there. The, the, Solomon tells us emphatically, when you go to Sheol, which is the grave, there will be no more opportunity to work the works. This is why the Bible says, I must work the works of him that sent me when? While it is day. Why? Because night is coming when no man can work. The pastor that just preached here recently was right when he said, David's time is up. He doesn't have a body anymore. Moses' time, although a great man of God in heaven, his time is up. Neither one of those men, Noah, can make an earthly impact. They're all in heaven right now, but their time is up. For many of you in this room, grandma, granddaddy, brother, sister, I don't know if they're deceased. Their time is up. So God is saying to you today, you are in your grace to work. Find your hands working on behalf of, watch this, the kingdom of God. And let me pause parenthetically. Don't waste 55 years getting it right. Hear that. You know how many people waste their life trying to figure out that God was right? That's one of the reasons why we don't sing that song anymore. I have tried over and over. I told praise you don't sing it no more. But there is no other way. You shouldn't have tried over and over. When you met Christ, you should have made up your mind that he was right. Y'all don't like me. I'm too deep. But that's the problem. We've tried over and over. Now you've had four kids out of wedlock with three different daddies. Uh Uh-oh. Because you tried over and over instead of doing it God's way the first time because God's perfect will is the will you want. Stop trying over and over. Oh, I like that church. The praise team is great. The preacher is just too hard. That's what you need. Don't go hear some mansy-pansy message on Sunday that makes you feel good even though you're having an affair? You left church having an affair and you feel good. I mean, you left church winking at somebody's husband or winking at somebody's wife, but you just got your feel today. And you know, there's a place in South Hell for people like that. The bottom line is that if you don't come down to the altar, lay it on the line, give your life to him, let him know for God I'll live and for God I will die, you will miss that span of time. Don't be careful about missing it. Don't miss it. Keep reading, Dave, because
because he says, whatever you find your hands to do, do it. But look at verse number 11. My God, my God, my God. This works even for people who are not saved. Look at verse number 11. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise. It's not to the guy with the PhD, the smartest guy, or riches to the men who have understanding, nor even favor grace to men of skill. Watch this, y'all. But time and chance happeneth to them all. You want to know why Bill Gates is worth $78 billion? When time and chance happen, he got in the window. Boom! It's called Microsoft. Stay with me now. You want to know why Mr. Jobs was worth $14 billion? When time and chance happened and a little apple sign with a bite in it, he got in the window. Not even say, boom, it worked. You know how many stories like that are in this world of folk who ain't even born again, who simply understood the grace that was given to them? Awesome business ideas, you name it. All these kinds of things that come really from God. God blessed them with those abilities, but because they work time and chance. Now, let me give you a metaphor of people who also missed it. I was watching the NBA Combine a few days ago with these rookies coming, getting ready to play basketball. And I like to watch that stuff. And there was a young man, I won't call his school, I won't call his name, but there was a young man coming out of college. And uh, he was working in the Combine, and this is a place where you go and you show them how well you can shoot, you show them how many layups, how well you dribble, and the scouts come and look at you to see if they want to recruit you onto their NBA team in the draft. Now, this young man, watch this, three years ago, he was a freshman, and they wanted him. He would have been a first-round draft pick, Dave. And if you go in the first round in the NBA, for the most part, you are worth at least $20 million in the NBA. And the NBA contract is a little different from the NFL because their money is guaranteed. You get the $20 million even if your knee falls off the next day. <laughs> guaranteed $20 million if you don't play one play on the floor. This young man was offered to go in the first round. But he made the determination. Now, hear me soberly, young people, because I'm not telling you not to go to college. I'm getting this on the tape. Go to college. But he made the determination that I want to stay in college and develop more. Two years after making that statement, playing ball, he injured his knee. Now he has a slim to nothing chance of getting into the NBA because the other guys are faster, quicker, and shoot better because he's bouncing back from an injury. What am I saying? He missed time and chance. For if he was in tune to the grace of God in his life, what he would have done is come on out his freshman year, make $20 million for about 10 years, do his degree over the summer, Come on, don't look at me mad. Now, Pastor just said something. These young people need to go to college. Yep, go to college, but don't go to college and get $100,000 worth of debt with no career, only to come out and make $32,000 a year when you could have got $20 million for coming out right now. But we're emotional. We're emotional. So, see, that bothered somebody. No, no, if Gabe goes and he can play, oh, God, son, leave. 
He up at Chapel Hill talking about something. Dad, they want me to go. Resign. Today. Go tell your professor you quit. Leave. Shake his hand. You want me to write the letter for you? You crazy? You're not going to, the average person, you're not going to make 20 million in your lifespan. But you got to understand time and chance happeneth to them all. Why is this so important for the Christian and even folk in here who might not be saved? When God is speaking and opening up windows and doors and giving you that opportunity to move forward in the things of God, don't stay stuck on no-braining type thinking. Pastor Long, who preached there long ago, called it the not listening spirit. You know, you're just not listening to anything worthwhile. God tells you to do this. Well, I'm not quite sure if I'm ready for that yet. But what did God tell you to do? I've seen people miss it in offering giving, and I'm going to talk about that next week leading up to our, our pledge Sunday. But God tells you, yep, no, this is the season. Go ahead, sow that 2000 No, but God, you don't understand. That's, that, I'm holding on to that for something. No, sow the 2000 What God was trying to get to you is like 200000 but you kind of miss God over a little offering. An offering? Time and chance happeneth to them all. And how do you know that that might be the offering that's anointed to propel your life into the greater, that as soon as that seed leaves your hand on Tuesday, you get the call that you've been supposed to get because you moved in the grace of God. So he says, whatever you find your hand to do, do it. And then it says, understand the windows that you got to get in on. So what's the first definition? A span of time to get something done. I wrote this quote down that God gave me in my prayer time. And watch this. The greatest of men are not great because they were the smartest or had the best ability. The greatest of men are great because they moved when God told them to move. I'll say it again. The greatest of men, Lakeisha, are not great because they were the smartest or had the best ability. The greatest of men are great because they moved when God told them to move. Look at your neighbor. Tell them this. You can't go when you get ready. Let that sink in. Because, y'all, this is what we do with God. We make deals with God. We tell God, well, God, let me just do it one more time for the sinner who might be here today. God, let me just have one more swig of sin. Let me just go out one more time. Let me just try it one more time. I know this is somebody else's wife, God, but I just love her. You don't even know what love is. That's not love. That's wicked infatuation. It's not love. Lord, I know it's wrong, but, you know, let me just borrow a couple of more thousand from the job. That's stealing. Right? But the enemy will convince you that those things are okay. And he'll even use crazy terms like grace. God graced you to sin. Y'all not staying with me now. You act like you haven't attended a black church in the past 10 years. You know I'm preaching right. When these bozos stand up and tell you what you did in sin you had to do because it brought forth a greater glory in your life. You know I'm right now. Sit there and look at me, and I'll get more and more clear. Well, you had to mess up because, see, God used that to ordain your future for what he's getting ready to do. If you never put your hand somewhere where it shouldn't have been, God couldn't put his hands on you. 
You know I'm right. Crazy stuff. I'm back home. Crazy. You know good and well that foolishness just messes people's mind up. Then they don't see any manifestation of God in their life and they get mad at Christianity because Christianity has been mistaught. No, the grace of God is set aside for the righteous. Tell young people all the time, you can build a house as big as you want to build it. Stay with God. Drive whatever you want to drive. Stay with God and see what he do. Man, I'm telling you, I'm a witness. God will bless you in ways where you can't even talk about it. Dave, you won't even better let people in on what God is doing. And that's all because you moved with God. Everybody say move with God. So the first part of grace is uh, a span of time to get something done. But the second part of grace, and this is going to bless you, is the empowerment of God to get something done. The grace of God is God's supernatural ability on your natural ability. That's the empowerment of God. He puts his super, as the old word church used to say, on your natural, and then you have supernatural. The word you released in Bible study a few weeks ago was so God, because God is ready, y'all. And listen to me, I can tell the anointing is here now. Even in the life of our church, y'all, he's doing the supernatural. Those of you who are connected to this ministry, watch what God does over the next six months in the life of this church. Watch the supernatural explosions, but watch this, watch this. This is going to bless you. It's not just a corporate thing. For in order for him to do a corporate thing, he has to do an individual thing. Because you all are what makes the supernatural flow in the corporate thing. Did you get that? Let me break it down to you even more. And this is not just about prosperity, but hear me. Now, what's the easiest way to build whatever kind of church you want to build? Have folk in your congregation who can give whatever kind of offering you need. Stay with me. Does that make sense? That's easy, man. Man, you got 15 millionaires sitting in your organization. You can buy whatever you want. With a given heart. And I don't got to pray nobody in either. I'll make you a millionaire. That didn't go over well. I'll show you the equation of how to be blessed God's way. It's one of the reasons why, and I don't know why I'm talking about this, but it's one of the reasons why we don't, we don't wink when we talk about giving and offerings. For when you give, God's going to bless your socks off. But then again, you got to get into that grace. So he says not only is it a, a span of time, but it's the empowerment of God. Now I want you to go with me uh, to, uh, first go to Ephesians 2 and 8. You ready to study the Bible, man? Let's do it. God, I love the word. Ephesians 2 and 8. Love the word. Love the word. This is going to bless you, man. Because what God does in this next season of your life, hear me and get the tape. Hear me and get the tape. It will not be by your own power. That's prophetic. What God does in this next wave will not be by your own strength. It won't be because of your resume. It won't be because of your pedigree. It won't be because of the letters behind your name or what you have or don't have. God is going to do it by his strength. But that, my friend, is the grace of God. 
Look at Ephesians 2, and one of the young people uh, did it in their memory verse. Is this blessing anybody? Ephesians 2. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, for by what? For by what, church? Grace you are what? Saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a what? A gift from God. Keep going. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained. God did what? Ordained them before we got here so we could walk in them. He ordained them. He's already laid out your future by his grace. But if you're going to walk in God's future and his preordained plan, you can't walk in your strength. I got another scripture to prove my point. Come with me to, uh, if you will, uh, Zechariah 4 and 6. And for the record, one scripture is enough. Amen. But look at uh, Zechariah chapter 4. This is one of the prophets who prophesied to Israel uh, as they were trying to rebuild Jerusalem during Zerubbabel's time. They're trying to restore the temple in those days. They're building a church. They're building some things. They're building their own lives. Do you know that even as we build a church, you're building your life? God is going to smile on you. And really, this is a word of breakthrough because many of us in this room, if you're like Pastor Gabe, I have to be careful because I can be a law guy. You know what being a law guy is all about? Two plus two equals four. That's a law. It doesn't change. Gravity. If I jump and I won't do it because I might twist my ankle. But if I jump off these steps, sis, the law, Candace, of gravity is going to do what? Bring me down. But let me give you revelation when it comes down to laws. Jesus, Stephanie and I were on the Atlantic Ocean this past week, and we went out there at night, and my wife was looking at me, doting on me, glad to be with me, and we saw the waves crashing back and forth on the ocean, so we went out, we walked on the beach at night, and um, I said to my wife, I said, dear, do you realize that Jesus walked on that? Law says that water is not solid unless you freeze it. We don't got to use big words like semi-permeable. You don't need all that. You know, people get a little education. They got to use stuff that nobody knows what they're talking about. I can't stand preaching like that. You know nobody knows what that means. Just say what it means. Water ain't solid. That's what it is. <laughs> Shucks. It's not solid. And, but Jesus comes on water, Lori, and all of a sudden he's like, boom. And that would be like enough to prove the point. But he had nerve to let a mere man do the same thing. <laughs> I'm just teaching this morning. If you didn't shout earlier, I clear I'm not hooping. My throat's hurting. The bottom line is he let a mere man do the same thing he just did. Because of his grace. So if you're a law person, understand that the grace of God, read Galatians 3 on your free time, it breaks laws. Curses everyone who's hung up on a tree. Read it on your free time. You and I, by law, are supposed to be in hell right now. 
because we did enough to deserve hell. But, oh, I wish somebody would praise off of this, but the grace and mercy of God intervened and it blocked what was supposed to happen in our lives. Hence, we didn't get what we deserved. God, this is good teaching this morning. So God is saying that your effort, and hear me because this is a word of encouragement, your effort is not going to get it done this time. In fact, I got news for you. The only thing you need to do, according to Ephesians 2 and 8, don't go back there, but he said it is by grace through, by grace through faith. What is faith? The belief that what you need from God has already occurred. See, I can't get in a rhythm on this kind of teaching. If you need your marriage restored, you ought to, by faith, go home and act like it's already restored. Go home and love on your wife and build her up, even though she don't want to have anything to do with you right now. Go home and cook for your husband and make him feel real good about himself. Even though he won't eat the plate, keep setting the table every single day because soon, because of your faith with actions, you're going to see what you've been believing for. <laughs> oh, my God, dear. Can you remember? And, oh, man, you guys know me. I'm not, pre not that preach materialism type of guy. I don't believe in that. But, oh, God, I remember, dear. I remember before we built that home. Oh, my goodness. You remember every, every Sunday we just take a ride? Yes, we did. Take a ride and get out and walk. This is the grocery store we're going to shop at. That's the target you're going to be able to go to. Yep. There's my Starbucks, even though they don't exalt God. But how I many know sometimes even when people don't exalt God, you still want what they, that Starbucks tastes good. So, <laughs> I mean, they don't be exalting the Lord, but sometimes I just, I become a transgressor. <laughs> and I go get a latte, man. I'm telling you, I just do, you know, that's law, man. It's the truth. And I probably shouldn't do that. But I do. See, I'm trying to be a balanced pastor for you. I do. I probably go to this. <laughs> they don't be exalting Jesus. If you know anything about Starbucks, the, the CEO said he didn't even want conservative married folk to invest in his company. He's pro-homosexual. So that's why I made that statement. Amen. But my little $3 cup of latte ain't going to put him out of business anyway. <laughs> that's not right. Take that off the tape. I got to clear that up real fast. That, that ain't the right way of thinking. Don't shout places where they don't exalt the Lord. But my point is, we would start driving, we'd start doing things, and you'd start pronouncing things to God where you know you're going. Now, you have no idea, Jameson, the timing always. You don't know exactly when and how God's going to do it. But you do know that because your faith is ready, that whenever God gets ready, there won't be anything in the way of him doing what he wanted to do. Do I have anybody in here that still believes God? Like you already know you got it. You already know that God has done it. You already know that it's finished. <laughs> oh, God. what grace is all about. Don't diminish grace down to just coming out of sin. 
Grace is greater than coming out of sin. Grace is the empowerment of God. Look at Zechariah chapter 4, verse number 6. Man, this is going to bless you. The Bible says in Zechariah 4, and I got to read it out of Amplified, verse number 6. It says, then he said to me, this addition of the bowl of the candlestick, don't worry about that, causing it to yield a seamless supply of oil from the olive tree is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. That was the king in that day, or the guy who was building uh, back uh, Israel, saying, not by what? Might, nor by what? Somebody say, it won't be me this time. Stay with me now. Not by might, nor by power, but by what? Come on, we're word church, but by my what? By my who? Spirit, capital S even in the Old Testament, by the Spirit of God. Not by Zerubbabel's Spirit, by the Spirit of God. By my Spirit, whom the oil is a symbol, saith the Lord of hosts. Now keep reading. This is why you got to get it out of Amplified. Look at verse 7. For who are you, O great mountain? This is what you say to the devil. Who are, who are you? <laughs> you call it arrogant all you want. I keep a swagger. Man, when somebody tells me I can't do something, my next statement is, hey, who are you? Let me speak to the manager. Now, I don't do it rudely, but you can't get done what I need, so obviously I need to talk to somebody else. <laughs> and who are you? You follow me? What's your role? You got people making decisions they don't even got power to make. Who, who are you? I was in Dunkin' Donuts line not long ago. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Predominantly, and I don't say this to be mean, but it was predominantly Caucasian area. So I was the only African-American male. Uh, and I, I got in the Dunkin' Donuts drive through line to get my coffee. And I didn't realize that when I got in line in my car drive through that I had cut like six people. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know, because I'm not that kind of guy, Miss Winchester. I don't cut people. Now, I might say, who are you? But I don't bully folk, because somebody might have a gun. You'd be careful with that. But I wouldn't do it even if they didn't have a gun. I'm answering my own questions. But I, so I didn't mean to cut, Travis. But man, all of a sudden, I heard, bah, bah. I said, what'd I do? <laughs> and the person on the speaker um, took my order, and I got up to the window, and there was this effeminate guy in the window. Him and about four of his staffers, they were standing like the Avengers. <laughs> they were. True story. Happened a couple of months ago, not far from our neighborhood. And the man looked at me. He said, sir, we can't have you doing stuff like that. I said, what would I do? Because the first time, Travis, I had gone to that Dunkin', man, I didn't know. You know, I'm a good guy. I said, man, what would I do? He said, there are people who are furious. The lady said in the intercom, this lady who's driving her Mercedes, you know, 40-something-year-old lady, she said she was very upset with you that you cut the line. So, you know, at first I'm being gracious, because I, and then I apologize. I said, I'm so sorry. I would have never done that. But then he had to say something else. Good God Almighty. <laughs> he said, but you must understand. I said, and who are you? That was my next comment, Lakeisha, because then, you know, now I'm flexing. I said, who are you? <laughs> I said, you tell that woman, if she got something to say to me, here I am. You tell her, come talk to me. 
I said, furthermore, what are you going to do about it? I looked down like Sekou blinking. You know, when Sekou get ready to fight, the upper body goes forward. I said, man, what are you going to do about it? I said, I said, and then I looked at his staff and I said, and what are y'all going to do about it? The true story. Ask my wife. I said, what are y'all going to do about it? I said, the only thing y'all going to do is give me my medium cinnamon coffee, light and sweet, and let me go by my way. And next time somebody tell you something, you just hush. Because you don't know what I got in my car. You be careful. <laughs> and I know they said to themselves, let's get this out of here. <laughs> I know, you, I know what you're saying. You tell her to come talk to me. And for the record, y'all stop all that rage, man. People blow your brains out these days. If I'd have got out and housed that woman right quick, the cops wouldn't even know where I was. You follow me? I'm serious. Now, I wouldn't do that. I'm a man of God. But you got to be careful talking out loud these days. My wife and I drive through certain neighborhoods. We don't bump when certain people cut us off. No, sir. Uh-uh. No. Uh-uh. Everybody got mad at Mike Cuban because he said if he saw an African-American with a hoodie looking rough on the side of the street, he would cross the street. And then he turned around, nobody listened to this, and said if he saw a Caucasian man with tattoos and a bald head on the seat, he would cross the street. Here's my position. Amen. I would do it, too. We get all twisted. Pastor, you profiling. Yes. <laughs> What's wrong with you? You got a wife and kids and you talking about something. They look like thugs, but I'm walking that way anyway. <laughs> so back to the scripture. So who are you, oh great mountain? Uh, watch this, Amplified Bible. Human obstacles. This is what Amplified Bible. He says, who are you, O great mountain of human, of, of human obstacles before Zerubbabel, who with Joshua had led the return of the exiles from Babylon, and it was undertaken the rebuilding of the temple before him? You shall become a plain. Amplified Bible says, a mere molehill, and shall bring forth the finishing gable stone of the new temple. In other words, you're going to get sawed down, and you're going to give me material to build my vision. Not only is God going to wipe you out by his grace, but he's going to use you to help me build what he told me I'm supposed to build. And then he goes on to say in scripture, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me in verse number eight. The hands of Zerubbabel had laid the foundation of this house. Watch this. This is a word for you. His hands shall also finish it. By the grace of God, what God has started in you, you are going to... Are you getting this this morning? You are going to finish it. So you don't have to bow out to Satan. You don't have to back down. We don't have to be weak as Christians. I got something I want to show you in this thing. You got to understand that as a believer, Patrick, great signs, wonders, and miracles follow us. Everywhere we show up, you call it swagger, arrogant, I don't care what you call it. Everywhere we show up, there is victory. 
Did you hear what I just said? We're victorious over the homosexuals. We're victorious over the pro-choice people. We're victorious over government. At the end of the day, our God will have the last say. We have the authority in the earth realm. Do I have a witness in God's house today? Come with me to Acts chapter 6. Man, this is going to bless you. Deacon, it's good to see you back from vacation. I miss my papa deacon. <laughs> Love deacon. Go with me to Acts chapter 6. Because, see, I want, I want you to leave here today. I got 19 minutes, Melvin, to do it. But I want God's people to leave here today convinced that you are the force. See, your enemy is not the force. Sister Wright, our enemy, Brother Wright, they're not the force. We're the force. People misquote scripture when they say, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard. That ain't what that passage means. You got to know where the comma is. When the enemy comes in, like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. The enemy came in, but the flood met the enemy and drove him out. Glory to God. You're not a speck. You're victorious. We're winners. Amen. Now, we're not picking fights. All I'm trying to tell you, though, is, is the Bible teaches us that we ought to come boldly before the throne of grace and do what? Inquire. We don't go to the throne of grace of God just say, Lord, if you work it out, I, you, I'll be so careful. If you do it, Lord, I'll be so mindful. To No, no, no. Jesus, I'm your child. I know that you got all power wrapped up in the palm of your hand. I know if anybody can do this, you can do it. And I come to you knowing that you have already done it by faith. Come with me to Acts chapter 6, verse number 8. Is this blessing anybody? Even in this wicked culture, look at what Stephen did. Acts 6 and 8. Now Stephen full of what? Stephen full of what? Favor, grace, depending on your Bible translation. Grace, which means divine blessing and favor and power. He was full of grace and power, strength and ability. Worked what, church? Great wonders and what? And what? Among the people. He worked great wonders and miracles in his society. Candace, amongst the people. He was full, though, of grace. What he was not full of was his own ability. For had Stephen been full of his own ability, he wouldn't have even had the courage to preach like he preached in that society. Let me tell you who Stephen's enemy was at this time. People don't know this. You don't read scripture carefully, you'll miss it. Paul was an opposer of Stephen. Don't you know that Paul was one of the greatest minds in his day? When Stephen, same chapter, was stoned to death, Paul held the coats. He persecuted Stephen, but Stephen being full of grace, not full of biceps, full of the grace of God, did great signs, wonders, and miracles in his day. You know, I think about these beautiful girls in Nigeria who are being persecuted. Oh, my God. One of the young ladies, they, her dad was a pastor. I don't know if it's the same story or not, but her dad was a pastor. <clears throat> they, they took her dad and her brother and murdered both of them, then made her lay in between them. 
And then another pastor in their city raised enough money to send a young girl to the States. I think she's in America now or somewhere close to the States. And she told her story not long ago. Uh, And that pastor who raised the money to get her out of there, he got killed by the same malicious people. But here we are over in America. Every luxury a person could ask for. You can get out of church today and still catch 10 malls open. Buy fine garments. Oh, man, the Lord bless us. We got a little bit of money in our pockets. You know, we, you know, we got money. We, we got things now. You know, you can go down to the dealership, man, get you a new car if you want to. You don't have to walk to work in America. Let me bless somebody with this. Oh, God, you have your choice of what style of food you're going to eat today. If you're like me, you got a beautiful wife who's making you some good tilapia and some other things, squash that she has slated for the evening. Praise the Lord. Somebody else in here, you're going to head to Chili's. You know, that's what the singles do. Not all the singles. Not all. But Candace and Tony, they did not cook. When you look at them, ain't nothing about them said, I cook today. They don't cook. Sister Vicky, yeah, not Candace and Tony. They did not cook. You look at Keisha and Stephanie, they didn't cook today. You know they didn't cook, and it's okay. You know, it's okay. They're going to go somewhere, and they're going to eat some good pub-style food and laugh. You know what I'm saying? Ain't nothing wrong with that, but we have our choice, Pam. We're blessed people, but my God, when crisis comes up in America, you know, the 249th draft pick comes out of the NFL who's a homosexual. We don't want to say nothing. Who gets a call from our beloved president. We have nothing to say. We don't have an opinion, and it's not just the preacher. Oh, it's us at work. People can talk all around the issues, but you don't want to be persecuted, so you're not going to touch it while a young lady's dad gets murdered and brother gets murdered and she's forced to sleep in between them for the night. We don't want persecution. We just want God's riches. I wouldn't want to be married to Stephanie if she only wanted me post-made. After I have something, now she wants me. I wouldn't want to be married to a woman like that. I want to be married to the type of lady that I am married to. Somebody who, if I lost it all today, she'd be right there. And you know, that's the way you ought to do Jesus. Thank you, Brother Stephen, being full of grace. You ought to love Jesus so much. Y'all, think about it. Getting the church is a task for us. Not you, but most people on Sunday morning. Just finding their way to a house of worship. In Western culture, where most of us got two or three cars, more cars than we can drive, getting to the house of God is a task. And for God's sake, don't ask me to come to an extra service. And pastor, it's 1225. When you going to wrap that up? I'm not done yet. You know, we have been acculturated to being weak. When we get to heaven, Paul and all them guys, they're going to laugh at us. All you had to do is preach against a wicked president? Man, please. We used to get beat up every day. Go somewhere and sit down. 
I think, I think Paul going to ridicule me. I think Paul going to stand up and say, he can't be with us. Uh-uh. You can't roll with me and Peter and, and Silas and Barnabas. You're not fitting to hang around with us, man. You ain't went through nothing. You ain't earned no stripes. You wore a different color suit every Sunday, dude. Get out of here. John the Baptist, he going to be with Paul too. Man, please, go somewhere. Go, go somewhere. They're not going to let me hang out with them because I'm in Western culture where we are spoiled. <laughs> I'll to use you, I'll use myself. So we're not persecuted. You're not persecuted because you lost a job. It's a job. You know, go work your fingers to the bones at Target until the Lord blesses you. Get a second job at Wendy's and just, just keep loving God. And you know what? Make a determination. You know, I'm not going to spend any money I don't have. I'm not, no, God, I'm not being persecuted. I still eat every day. For God's sake, if I'm hungry, the church has a benevolence fund. They got a food pantry. I can still eat every single day. They're going to make sure I'm going to be okay. God, you've been good to me, Lord. You're a good God. I thank you right now. Even though I'm not making six figures anymore, I got a grateful spirit. I thank you right now that even though I don't have what I used to have. Because we can't grill steaks anymore. So how do you get the grace of God? Do you have 10 minutes? This is how you get the grace of God. And we'll pick up on this later. Go with me to James 4 and 6. If you stick with me, I'm going to show you how Noah had the grace of God. But I won't do it today because I've given you enough scriptures for the day. But come with me to James, man. See, God wants you to live a fulfilled life and take advantage of it. Where are my young people? Young people, there are 4,000 colleges and universities in America. Go to one of them. Are you kidding me? Find one. Go to it. Stop making an excuse, man. And you call me mean, call me what you want, but I have never been able to tolerate a whining man. Oh, a man in Western culture? You a man in Western culture. You don't live in Nigeria where you can't even say the name of Jesus. You don't live in Islamabad. You don't live in third world countries. Man, you can just go to church and bring home a loaf of bread. Just eat that all week long. You know what you do? You get about four of them and don't let nobody, you know, just get four of them and say, you know, I'm going to get a bunch of carbohydrates. This going to last me the next Sunday. Because I'm a man. <laughs> I'm a dude. So, like, I can, I can work even when I'm hungry, man. Ah, no, I, oh, I'm getting in trouble now. I'm a man, and I'm going to get out here, and I'm going to make something of myself. I'm going to stop making excuses. I'm going to use the grace of God to provide for my family because, after all, I'm a guy. This is what men do. You know what? I'm going to UPS from 2 to 10. Then I'm going to get off at 10. I'm going to take about a 20-minute break. That's about as much time it takes me to get to the Uptown Center to get to Target so I can be there from 11 to 4. And then there's a Wendy's right outside of Target. I'm going to pick up about four hours before I go home, and I'm going to work from about 6 to 10. Then I'm going to go home. I'm going to kiss my wife, and I'm going to sleep for three hours. I'm going to wake up and take a shower and do it all over again because I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, and I'm not going to make an excuse 
excuse for not doing what I need to do to make things work. I can't get an amen, but I'm right. I'm not going to make an excuse for not doing what I need to do to make things right because the grace of God has been revealed to all men. <laughs> you got his grace. Come with me to James 4. We're going home. I'm done. Thank you, Sylvester. James 4. Just one scripture, man. We're going home. We're going home. We're going home. Listen to what the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 6. He says, he giveth what? Wait a minute, though. He gives what kind of grace? He gives what kind of grace? So he didn't just give grace. He gave what? More good God Almighty. You mean to tell me you already had grace? But God says he gives more grace. Let's read it again. So he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. How do you get the grace of God? Humility. That's it. That's it. Humility. When you humble yourself, I'm down to seven minutes. Watch this. To the voice of God, to the ways of God, that's when God gives you his grace. The best thing a person can do, and I say you, but I'm talking to Gabe. Make no mistake. The best thing a person can do is stay humble before him. And watch this, I said it recently, but humility is not just a soft disposition. How many of you know some of those are the most arrogant people? You just look humble, but you don't really believe that. Humility is, God, whatever you say is right. You didn't get that. We're going home. Humility is, and this is how you get the grace of God. See, most of the time, y'all, in our churches, we need 15 points to get one principle. You don't even need that. How do you get the grace of God? Humility. Then he says, get rid of the double-mindedness. But before you even get there, you get grace by humility. You know how many people stay bought in their own system even though it's not working? Watch this. They even miss the window of God and the empowerment of God because they're still attuned to their own way of doing it. Did you catch that? What is humility for a married couple? Like you can't go home and curse your spouse out and expect them to respond to you. That's not humility. You can't go home and raise your kids with an iron thumb and expect them to respond to you. Humility. I was with Apostle Quick this week uh, at a part of a conference. And, you know, he, he talked about one of his sons who had been rebellious. He's a grown man now, but been rebellious for a season. And he told his son something. It was powerful. He said, listen, if you won't submit to me, I'll submit to you. Listen to what happens in that example. Whenever the father submits to the son, you got a problem. Apostle Quick is right. Don't hear it that way. What he was teaching his son was this. If I submit to your way, you are now responsible to figuring it out on your own. If you want, you want to submit to me, I'll submit to you. Now you got to do it yourself. 
And that's how God does us. Like when we don't submit to his voice, when we don't submit to his empowerment, when we don't submit to his way, like get rid of any faulty thinking. Don't even argue about the perversion of this society anymore. You know, don't have arguments about just stuff that is, it doesn't even matter. You're humble to the things of God. You know, Paul, in this teaching today, and we're going home, but Titus, if you read Titus carefully, he refers to Titus as his spiritual son. Titus was a Gentile. They weren't son by flesh. But Titus was his understudy. He did the same thing with Timothy. He referred to him as a spiritual son. Now, here's what the church did with that terminology, which, which messed us up. We started practicing Catholicism. And we use that concept of spiritual son as a system of just control and manipulation. When it was actually supposed to be appropriated properly by raising up disciples, ministers, preachers, spiritual sons who could then go out and perpetuate the same gospel, not by control, but because they now got the same lesson. But if you're going to be God's spiritual child, his voice has to be meaningful in your life. Oh, this is good teaching this morning. There's somebody in here right now. God's just ready to call you out of your sins. You're done with it, man. And, you know, God wants to give you that opportunity to accept him for real and really, really, really get it right. Don't leave church today and miss the grace. You know, a lot of people who believe in the doctrine of, a, uh, of once saved, always saved, they use this passage in Titus, not James, but they use it out of context when it talks about for the grace of God has appeared uh, to all men. And, and, and John MacArthur gave a great quote to this. He said, this does not, as some maintain, refer to universal salvation, but rather to universal opportunity for salvation. You see, the grace of God has appeared to all men for salvation means that everybody gets a chance. You may have come to KCC today to see your neighbor's child sing. That's your chance. Because it's you Sunday, you showed up to see your, but God had another agenda. That's your chance. And you know what God is not obligated to? Giving everybody the same amount of chances. I had an uncle by the name of Billy. Billy died, what, about 80, 70? No, 75 probably. 75. Billy lived like the world all his life. I'm going to preach a message one day just called Billy, and I'm not even joking. Because you talk about grace. He, I mean, he was a deadbeat dad. My dad's oldest brother didn't take care of none of his boys. He drunk, smoked all his life. Bad husband, you name it, he did it. Street life in venues where he should have been gunned down, he did it. I saw him coming up as a child. He lived with the world. Listen to me. But I'll never forget going down south when he finally got cancer two years ago. Going down south, trying to minister salvation to Billy. And every time I go see him, he'd say, nah, I'm not ready yet. And he, he called his nephew. He said, nephew, I appreciate it, but nah, I ain't there, man. You know, I still got some other things I need to do. You know, he just kept on sticking to it, sticking to it. Watch this. Four days before he died, my dad went in his room. And all of a sudden, the grace of God appeared to Billy. It appeared to him, meaning he was at a place where he could finally hear. My dad led him through Romans 10 and 9. He got saved. 
He died in four days. He's in heaven. That's a triumphant story. But let me tell you that that grace that appeared to him, that grace, that time span that he got, most people aren't going to get that. Most people, God's going to give you a couple of chances. Paul said in Romans 6, shall I continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, God forbid. In other words, don't miss this window. We're going home. Larry, stop the tape before you stand to your feet. Let me tell you what grace is. And I'll pick this.